0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: The following podcast is a dear media production. Hey, it's Wendy. And it's Jess. And you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast, your online resource for delicious and nutritious living.
0: So I want to take a quick break to talk about this week's podcast sponsor, Zola. They are the easiest way to plan your wedding and registry. So you guys know, well, you may not know, last year, June 23rd, 2018, I got married and had a cute little wedding. And I still say to this day, it was the wedding planning was one of the worst experiences ever. I hated it. I hated dress shopping. I don't know, maybe there's something wrong with me. I never was one of those kids who's like, I can't wait until I get married and this is my theme and vibe. I just made up random colors for like our color scheme. It's just, it's not my thing. The other thing that I didn't like was I felt like we were very unorganized. We had a million different like spreadsheets that were all random and discombobulated and Literally the night before the wedding, I was printing out my invitations at Kinko's on just like regular white paper. It was just like the wedding in and of itself was amazing, but the planning I did not enjoy. And I wish there was a website like Zola that was there or that I knew about it at the time when I had my wedding. So There are a million couples who have used Zola and they're amazing because they take the stress out of wedding planning because they have free wedding websites. They also have a wedding registry and affordable invitations, plus a bunch more. So you start with your wedding website. Again, there's hundreds of templates. It's free. Then you build your registry at Zola. So I love this idea. We didn't have a registry. I didn't even think of any of this stuff. Honestly, I was like, just give us money. Um, We had a PayPal link. So we didn't even do this, but it would have been so cool to have a registry where it was all in the same place as your actual website. They even have Airbnb. So you can, you know, again, plan your honeymoon and help people can help you purchase um, your stay. Then after you build your registry, they have beautiful, beautiful invitations. There's thousands of different invitations, all with different color schemes so it can match your unique vibe. I'm kind of more of a rustic DIY type of gal. So you guys want to make sure that you head on over to Zola.com, that's Z-O-L-A.com, food Food Heaven, because you can build a free wedding website and get $50, that's $50, my English accent, towards your registry. So again, go to zola.com, Z-O-L-A.com slash Food Heaven, get that $50 towards your registry plus a free wedding website and let us know how it goes. All right, back to the episode.
1: Hey, everyone. What is happening? What is going on? Welcome to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. Jess, how are you doing, girl?
0: Hey, y'all. I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty.
1: Let's see. Is it (laughs) Seinfeld? close ding 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 it's curvy enthusiasm (laughs) I just say Seinfeld to everything though it's like I
0: know I know it's so funny um because Wendy never gets any of my references (laughs) I I remember movies and shows from literally like I was watching some show on the plane from the from like 1991 and I was like oh my god how do I remember all these lines I also remember soundtracks Mm, like if I hear a song like 25 years later I'm like that's from Schindler's List or whatever wow (laughs) I wish. (laughs) So we're here today, excited to bring you another episode of Food Heaven Podcast.
1: Yeah. And let's see. It's Thanksgiving tomorrow. Did you figure out what you're going (laughs) to (laughs) do?
0: We're still working on it. Okay. (laughs) Um, I think we're either going to have it at my house. We have to figure that out because you guys send me... Anyone who is in a relationship or married or have, you have a partner, send me a DM. How do you guys work this out with like who goes where and when, especially when both families are located in the same state or a close vicinity within two hours? Cause it's like, we're trying to figure that out. Cause we have different ideas. Cause Joseph's like, I just want to stay home and like chill. I'm like, no, we got to go somewhere like for this, you know, for Thanksgiving and then somewhere else for Christmas. So let me know. But yeah, we're still figuring out either we're going to do it here at our house or go to my mom's house in Sacramento. So I'll let you guys know next week what we did.
1: Does this family celebrate Thanksgiving? They do. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. His family's is Eritrean. I mean, I think for, for me and I think them too, it's not about like Thanksgiving per se. It's more about this is a chance when everyone's off from work to just get together with the family. It doesn't really matter what the holiday is. It's just like a get together, which is what I love about the holidays is just yeah. seeing all those people you don't normally see on a daily basis.
1: Right. Right. Cool. All right. How was your Friendsgiving? It was or no, fun. no, your Friendsgiving coming up. No, no, no. It happened already. It was oh. on Saturday. It was fun. Oh, fun. It was fun. I had a whole bunch of people over. Um, and yeah, just made like a bunch of food. We were celebrating my best friend's birthday. Um, and so, yeah, that was fun. I got to meet his new bae, which is I'm his always bae. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Can't keep up with Leonard. Um, but yeah, all is good. Just, you know. Winding down, keeping things low key because I'm getting ready to head out for December to the island. So, yeah, just enjoying these last few days at home before I peace out.
0: Oh my God. So, you're going for a month or how long?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm going for a month. I'll be in the DR, um, spending time with my family for the holidays. And yeah, I'll be back in 2020, y'all. Oh my goodness. Also, we have to find that video we did in DR. I know. We did this video, I know. you
0: guys. We called it Wendy. What did we call it? Oh, no. Keeping uh. up with the Dominicans. Oh,
1: right, 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 right. We did
0: this whole <laughs> acting sketch crazy thing. We got like all these random strangers to participate on the beach in DR and one of them was like my boyfriend who had cheated on me like we made all this up (laughs) we just acted it all out I I didn't speak Spanish at the time I was like talking I would. they were giving me lines I didn't even know what I was saying
1: yeah it was video it was pretty epic and if y'all haven't seen our Mexico video y'all need to do yourselves a (laughs) favor and go check that out (laughs) do you see a trend here but yeah it's on our IG it's on our IG post it's like a static post you can check it out it was so much fun. Yeah. We went to Mexico. We just started going off on this one song that somehow became viral. And it's, I mean, it's just pure gold. Loving it. I forget it's up there and
0: people will, will when I meet them, they're like, oh, I love your Mexico video. I'm like, oh my God, I get so embarrassed.
1: <laughs> I mean, not embarrassed.
0: I'm just like kind of shy when, cause you know, when people are like, oh, I do the same thing to people where I'm like, I know your whole whatever I love this I love this trip you know and they'll make these specific comments and I just get very shy because I'm like oh but I do the same thing with everybody because I fall you know I stalk people and I'm like oh I love your puppy oh my god your cat da-da-da. you know it's just like the world we live in now where you yeah. forget you're putting all this stuff out there
1: let's talk about Instagram and moving likes which Ooh. somehow just popped up in my head throughout this conversation that we've been having. Um, how are you feeling about it?
0: I'm absolutely here for it. I just read an article that said 64% of quote-unquote influencers
1: are buying likes. Wow. Which I don't even know how you buy likes. I think they have apps and stuff for that. What? People are just so focused on the numbers and the stats. And it really takes away from genuine engagement and community building online. So exactly. I think it's a great thing. People won't stress out as much about how many fucking likes they get on their posts, you know?
0: I know. And I don't really think that likes, I don't know if that, that really even means anything. You know what I mean? I feel like for me, what I like more than that is like comments or yeah. DMs you know? Cause I, we get like a lot of comments, a lot of DMS and it's like, you start to recognize the same people. And then I start going in on, on their pages and following them. And then I'm like seeing what they're doing. It's more of like a back and forth kind of thing versus just like clicking to like something that's like very staged and not like a, yeah, I feel like it promotes everything being a little more fake versus having no likes. You can have more
1: Fun and freedom, just to show like real life, which I feel like Instagram is not anymore. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. I'm excited about it, and we'll see how this changes. Let's see the game. (laughs) Hopefully for the better. I saw. I know. I saw in the shade room.
0: It was so funny. Do you guys follow the shade room? That's where I get my news. And um, they were saying that Instagram was removing likes, and then I was reading all the comments, and everyone's like, "Ain't nobody care about that, but influencers or whatever." And like, they're like, all these Instagram. Model, whatever's <laughs> they, they didn't say. It. They didn't say it that nicely, but like all the Instagram models is like freaking out right yeah. now, or whatever, because of the likes. I guess I don't know. I'm happy for it. I feel like if you're not, if you have genuine content, and you have a genuine connection with your tribe, and you're hopefully having something of value to share, or just a you
1: know fun or whatever. I think that it shouldn't really make a difference. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Well, moving along. Uh, hope it yes. all works out for everyone on IG, including ourselves. I think it's great. Right. Um, today's episode. <laughs> get so we're going to be talking with Eve, who's a dietitian. And this is a topic that we get so many questions about overeating and binging.
0: Yeah. We thought this would be perfect, especially after the holidays. We did have that intuitive eating episode last week, but we know a lot of you guys hit us up saying, I still overeat. I need a podcast episode about this. So Eve is perfect to talk to you because she actually, we found her, she did a Ted talk called trust your hunger and make peace with food, which we loved. The talk was about her own story of overcoming food obsession and body image issues and she says by getting rid of diets she learned how to listen to her body and ultimately listen to herself and it kind of you know benefited other areas of her life and so now she tries to help other people have that satisfying relationship with food where you can eat the foods that you love and not overeat and, you know, feel good in your body. And we're going to talk with her about all of this stuff today. So some of the highlights from the conversation are, she talks about why she feels like going to the bathroom isn't that much different from eating. It's a very interesting concept and I use this concept as well. So she'll talk about that. She gives you her sophisticated tool for telling you how much you need to eat and when, So you're going to want to know what that is. She also talks about how do you deal with accidentally binging and overeating? Because even if we are practicing intuitive eating and listening to ourselves, we still have some accidental episodes. And the best thing she talks about is how you can get a free session with her. Literally, she is giving unlimited free sessions. I'm not even kidding to all of our listeners where she'll do a console. I think she says a 30 minute console and she gives you guys all the information at the end. So stay tuned and let's get to it. You guys, I'm going to take a quick break because I want to talk about this one tool that completely, and I mean completely changed our podcast for the better behind the scenes. So this tool eliminated our need for one of our virtual assistants and is saving us a lot of money. Wendy, can you guess what it is? Is it acuity? (laughs)
1: It's Acuity
0: Scheduling, baby. Acuity Scheduling is a square space company, and they are basically that scheduling assistant that works 24-7 behind the scenes with you to fill your calendar and takes hours of work off of your plate. From the moment a client books with you or us, Acuity is there to automatically send that booking confirmations with your brand and messaging. They deliver text message reminders, and they also let clients reschedule on their own which is key, especially for us, because there's different time zones happening. People are always rescheduling when we, you know, our podcast appointments and it's was really time consuming having to respond to all those emails. They also process payments so that your day runs smoother and you're able to show up at the right time, which is what we do for this podcast. Yeah. And
1: when Jess, Jess was the one that initially found out about Acuity and she's always like putting me onto these plugins and apps. And she was like, we need to get this. And initially I was a little hesitant because I was like, girl, another one, like another membership. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. But I will say this has been one of the most important investments that we have made. It has, definitely paid off. When clients are trying to book with you, they can view your real-time availability and self-book their own appointments. So it really saves a lot of time. You can use Acuity to get appointments through social media, which is really cool. So they have this Facebook business page and they also have an Instagram booking button that you can use so that your next client is only a click away from scheduling through social media platforms.
0: I've also used this for my private practice as well. And it was so cool. When I had my
1: first client
0: ever sign up, she booked through Acuity. I was like, this can't be this easy. <laughs> and I got that notification and you could even do payment plans. I mean, it's incredible. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days absolutely free. No credit card required. That's real. And all you have to do is go to acuityscheduling.com slash food heaven. That's A-C-U-E. I-T-Y com slash food heaven. Now back to the episode.
2: So welcome to the podcast, Eve. Thanks so much. I'm so honored and excited to be here. I love what you guys are all about, about the pleasure of food and all of that. So thank you so much for having me here.
1: You're so welcome. And whenever we have dietitians on the podcast, we're always curious about how they came into nutrition. So let's start there. Talk to us about how you got into nutrition and how your relationship to food has evolved over the years.
2: Absolutely. You know, I went to grad school trying to heal my own food issues. And it's, it's interesting because it seems like a lot of people there had issues themselves with food. Like they'd bring the same thing to lunch every day or they would eat in a very rigid way or um, they would have other types of problems. So I don't think I was alone in doing that in grad school. And surprisingly, it wasn't in grad school where I finally got healed or how I healed myself. In fact, in grad school, I just found more and new complicated and sophisticated ways of depriving myself. So it was actually in some ways... I mean although I learned a lot about nutrition science and all of that in some ways from my intention it was kind of counterproductive.
0: Yes, I love it. I think that it is similar to a lot of folks when it comes to, you know, going to school for nutrition and they're really excited because it tends to sometimes attract people who might already be a little bit disordered, but it's always nice when People kind of grow from that and and learn a new way and then are able to help people um, who are struggling get to a better place. Now, one thing that you mentioned in your talk that I also use with my patients is you relate um, eating to going to the bathroom. So can you talk a little bit more about the connection that you use in your practice and in your TED Talk?
2: Oh, 100%. What I, what I like to use going to the bathroom, going pee specifically, is when we have to go pee, we don't negotiate with that. We don't tell ourselves, oh, no, I, I can't go. I already went three times today, and that's enough. And we don't tell ourselves, oh, no, after, after 6 p.m., that's it. No more toilet. We, we don't do that, and it's funny. Like, just just talking about that is funny because we would never think about doing that because we know that it's self-regulating, Turns out, hunger and fullness is also self-regulating. However, because of our years of dieting and our baggage around food and our body, it's almost like we forgot how to be attuned to ourselves, how to listen to ourselves when it comes to hunger and fullness. And so it's a funny metaphor. I love to use it. And uh, it, uh, it resonates with a lot of people, that hunger and fullness and going to the bathroom thing.
1: Right. And it's, I mean, eating has become so complicated nowadays where it isn't yeah. as simple as I'm hungry, let me eat, I'm full, maybe I should stop. It, I mean, there's just so many layers to it. And you also touched on that in your talk how learning how to eat was the hardest thing you've ever had to do. And I think a lot of people can relate. Like, it sounds a little counterintuitive. Like, what do you mean knowing how to eat was the hardest thing to do? But once you start really getting into all of the things involved, with our food choices and also like all of the pressure involved with eating, that makes a lot of sense. So talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Because before the way I was relating to food was completely in my head. It was counting calories, measuring portions, timing myself, going by the clock, keeping track of points. I mean, there are so many systems to follow, all of which were in my head. And what that did was, is it made my relationship with food very automated in my head, whereas food is sensual. You know, you use your senses. It's meant to be body-based. So part of what made it challenging to relearn how to eat normally again was actually getting out of my head with food and learning how to get back into my body. And so I, I say it was one of the hardest things I had to do because that was very confronting Nobody else around me was doing that. I mean, I live in Los Angeles. People in LA are notorious for restriction and dieting and finding the best new ways to restrict. So I I didn't feel like I had the supportive community in doing that. And it was also challenging because it went against everything I knew about food and eating, especially then at that time with a, a background in nutritional science and stuff like we're taught to calculate as opposed to trust. And so trusting in my body and learning how to listen to it was so challenging. Furthermore, because I was restricting so much, because I was hungry all the time, I thought if I listened to my body, that would mean that I would always binge and that I would overeat all the time. I felt like a bottomless pit, but I felt like such a bottomless pit because I was always starving myself. So it was kind of like a catch-22. And it wasn't until I took that leap and you know decided once and for all that, you know what, I'm not going to diet anymore because dieting makes me obsessed with food. Dieting increased the likelihood of me binging and overeating. So once I made that decision that dieting was no longer an option, I had no choice but to learn how to listen to my body, how to trust my body. And it was a journey where at that time I did not know of many books or I didn't have much mentors. So it was really a powerful process of going internal and learning how to listen to myself.
0: Was there anything in particular that made you decide that you'd had enough or were you just seeing different messaging about kind of a more intuitive eating approach? I'm curious, like what shifted for you?
2: Yeah, well, what happened was I made a promise to go into this work of helping people with food if I ever figured it out myself, so it actually started then years before I ever, you know, dealt with my food issues. I remember being at a relative's house, and um, I knew the whole day leading up to it. I was so nervous about the food that was going to be there because this person was an excellent cook, and so sure enough, you know, after all the appetizers, the food, the fruit, the dessert, and all of that, like I was so overly full that I actually went into one of the bedrooms and I was just crying, praying, and just promising to anything that was listening to me that, you know what, if I resolve this eating issue, I will make it my life's life's focus and helping anybody else overcome their eating issue as well. And so from then, from that moment, I was determined to find what is the way to finally resolve this once and for all. And so I got to say, I kept on trying this dieting thing over and over for many years. And, you know, it wasn't just like one definitive moment that that made me realize diets don't work. I I wish I could point it, trace it back to like a moment. It came to a slow understanding of, hold on a second. Every time I do this restriction thing and I wake up in the morning and I decide to go to CVS or at that time, save on and get, you know, a, a bunch of gum and mint. And that's my diet for the day it always ends up poorly. I end up binging, overeating and I, and I kept on repeating that cycle. So it was like a gradual awakening that dieting wasn't working. And in fact, dieting was making me obsessed with food. It was increasing the likelihood of cravings and me binging and overeating, which was the opposite of what I wanted. If anybody out there knows after a binge or after overeating, sometimes it could be the worst feeling. I I used to feel so defeated. So as I started to trust myself and experiment with some principles of learning how to listen to myself, giving myself what I was truly craving, seeing those binges starting to subside, noticing that feeling of wanting to eat everything in the kitchen started to soften, it was really like encouraging. So that that also really helped. I don't know if that answered that question, but that yeah, thought really that, that
0: absolutely <laughs> answered the question, and I think it touches on a lot of. Different things in terms of for people, I th- a lot of times I think they're really looking for kind of that exact blueprint, that plan, those calories, the macros to tell them what to do. But you argue that there is a much more sophisticated way for telling, you know, or for knowing how much you need to eat and when to eat. And so what would you say that more sophisticated way is?
2: Yeah, that is a great question. I was on a quest looking for the way to eat. In fact, I even read a book called The Way to Eat. (laughs) And it wasn't until several years later that I found out that these apps and these calculations are not it. The most sophisticated way to know exactly when to eat, the most sophisticated way of knowing how much to eat is actually learning how to listen to your own inborn ability to tune into your hunger and fullness by listening to your hunger and fullness. So a lot of what I teach my clients and what I talk about in my talk is that hunger fullness scale that actually helps you identify where you are in terms of hunger and fullness. So zero in this hunger and fullness scale, it's a scale that goes from zero to 10 and zero correlates with empty. Like when you're driving your car and you're done with gas and that little E, or that little gas tank light shows up. That's, that's a zero on the scale. Extremely hungry. Like if you've ever had to skip meals or fast to get your blood drawn or anything like that, that's a zero. And 10 is on the other end of the spectrum. It's totally stuffed after a binge, feeling totally full, like maybe after Thanksgiving or something. And five is right there in the middle. It's neutral. So according to this scale, what I recommend is eating when you first get hungry. And that correlates with the number four. If you wait a little bit longer, those feelings of hunger get more intense, but it's still the first signs of hunger. And oftentimes when I explain this, people wonder, well, what, what does the first sign of hunger feel like? So the first sign of hunger is you know, a slight emptiness in your stomach, a preoccupation with food, maybe a sensation in the throat or the chest, or even in the abdomen area, and a dip in energy. That's how you know you're starting to get hungry. Once your stomach is growling, or your hands are shaking, or you're what the, what, what <laughs> young people these days call uh, being hangry, you know, that's how you know you've waited too long. That's when you know you're a, a 2, a 1, or a 0 in the hunger fullness scale, when you're too hungry and you're in danger of overeating. So part of this sophisticated tool of knowing when to eat is learning how to let yourself eat when you first get hungry. And sometimes that's hard for people because they don't know what that feels like in their body is yet. And sometimes it's hungry hard for people to eat when they first get hungry because they're so used to ignoring it.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Because with overeating, it seems like, oops, it just kind of happened and there's not a lot of thought that goes into like, okay, what what are the what are the patterns that are happening over and over again? And a lot of our listeners, they'll um, they'll send us their questions and it's consistently overeating comes up all the time. Like I'm always overeating. I don't know what to do about it. Um, And so I think. Think it will be great if you touch on maybe some of the predictors of overeating, like things that people can start to identify to see if this is something that's um, that's happening to them or that might be leading to the overeating.
2: Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest predictors of overeating is just letting yourself get too hungry. And it's not because there's anything wrong with you, it's not because you're defective. In fact, overeating when you get too hungry is actually a natural, normal, healthy human response. I don't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend getting too hungry to let that happen. But one of the biggest predictors of overeating is letting yourself get too hungry. Another big predictor of getting too hungry is deprivation, not letting yourself feel satisfied. So what's interesting about that, when people eat ultra light, because they're not getting the nutrients they need, their body is deprived, so they'll be in a higher likelihood of overeating. Now, this is the interesting part. If somebody is restricting, even if they are getting enough food, but they feel like they're restricting, they still may overeat because mentally they have what I call an allergic an allergic reaction to restriction. Mm. That even if they're even if they are eating adequate nutrients, if they feel like they're depriving themselves. Their psychology keeps score and is like, hey, you made me have a salad for lunch. I want that sandwich now or I'm going to overeat now to show you, Mm. you know, but our brain might justify it by saying, hey, I was so good. So now I deserve this or I had a hard day. So to cheer myself up, I'm going to eat this. Our, Our mind has all these creative ways of making up for that perceived lack of food. But it's very fascinating how not giving ourselves enough food actually backfires in the end.
0: I wanna take a second to talk about one of my biggest weaknesses, and that is YouTube ads. I live for good YouTube ads. There's so many that I feel like I get sucked into the trap. And I have tried so many different products based on YouTube ads, including different brands of natural deodorant. Now, one thing that I am completely sick of, though, is brands who overpromise with all these amazing ads on YouTube, social media, but like they never deliver. I hate it because it sucks. You spend your money and it doesn't actually do what it says it's going to do. So when this week's podcast sponsor reached out about Their natural deodorant brand, I was like, you know what? I've been kind of scarred and I I don't know. Like, send us a sample and we'll try it and we'll let you know. Um, And by try it, I don't mean try it for one day. I mean try it for at least 15 days to know does this work for my body? And by work, I mean, does it go on smooth? Does it give me a rash? Does it actually help to deodorize me? All those different things. Now, I will say, hands down, this deodorant, I was skeptical, but it actually did all of those things and more because not only does it keep you from being funky, it also has a really good smell that people have commented on saying, hey, what's going on? Is there something new, some other scent that you're wearing? And so I get to say, oh, it's my deodorant. And it's not one of those like overly fresh deodorant smells where it's like a fake kind of smell. No, this is like a natural scent. The one that I'm obsessed with is eucalyptus and mint, but there's so many others. And I know that customers who get native deodorant are also obsessed because they have 8,000 five-star reviews, which that's a lot of five-star reviews. The other benefits are that it's paraben-free, it's aluminum-free, it's also talc-free. It contains a lot of ingredients that you can pronounce um, that are found in nature. So there's coconut oil, there's shea butter, things like that. So if you want to give it a try, I suggest you go on over to nativedeodorant.com. You can use our coupon code FOODHEAVEN at checkout for 20% off and give it a try. All right, guys, so that's NatoDeodorant.com. Use foodheaven at checkout to get your 20% off.
1: And let's get back to the episode. So I'm thinking with people who consistently overeat and feel like they are getting nourishment, like you said, during the day, but also feel like they are they have complete access to all of the foods that they want, especially I, I see this a lot with emotional eating where they mm-hmm. tend to gravitate towards like those really rich, um, usually like sweet carb foods. And it's just like consistently happening over and over again. And there actually isn't any restriction at all, but it's more so yes. coming from a place of coping. Have you seen that as well?
2: A hundred percent almost every client I work with, there's a component of emotional eating. But something really to be aware of is before we could call it emotional eating, it's like what you said, we have to make sure that the person or the person has to make sure that they're eating adequate through the day that's why it's so great to have to work with somebody like you a dietitian like me you know um because we're able to identify like hey you're not eating enough that's why you're overeating you know but going a step further when there's emotional eating going on that is such a is such a lovely opportunity in learning how to expand the capacity to feel the full range of human emotions whoever taught us Whoever taught us how to feel the range of human emotions, it's a lesson we never get. So those are some of the things I go through with my clients through different techniques. Nothing complicated, nothing terribly unnatural of allowing them to stay embodied as they go through anything. So one of my clients was so surprised that her father-in-law died and her father got diagnosed with cancer in the same week. And she didn't turn to food because she knew how to handle her emotions for the first time in her life. And she was like, wow, if there was ever a reason to eat emotionally, it was this week. And she was so proud because finally she had tools to navigate her emotions without using food. So that's why my tagline, when I when I talk to people, it's learning how to have peace and ease with food in any situation, no matter what is happening in your life. So that no matter what is happening in your life part addresses knowing how to handle that emotional eating. Because another trigger for overeating could also be the food availability. I mean, if somebody doesn't know how to navigate a variety of foods in their environment, that's also a skill. That needs to be developed for many people especially like you said because food is in abundance these days you know there's too much food everywhere and a nice large huge variety as well so learning how to cultivate the tool of navigating an abundance of food is also an important skill
0: one thing that that makes me think about is just the idea that people who tend to restrict their eating they live more in their heads sometimes and less in their bodies. And that's been like consistent with what I see with folks and also in some of the trainings that I've done. So what are ways that people who are kind of disconnected and are looking for these like external, you know, factors in determining what and how much to eat, what are some ways that, that they can reconnect with their body?
2: Oh, great question. This is my favorite answer to that is next time you eat, you could use that as a way to reconnect with your body because there's nothing you ever do that involves more of your senses than eating. So you could use food as a sanctuary, as an opportunity to become present by using every single sense. You could even list them out on a piece of paper and ask yourself, hey, what am I seeing? That brings you back into your eyes. You know, what am I smelling? What am I tasting when I chew on this? What am I hearing or to prepare it? What sounds did that make? What is the texture of this as I have this in my mouth? You know, what is the texture of this as I hold it in my hand? The temperature. I mean, there's so much to engage in. Eating is such an embodying experience. So that's a very powerful way by sanctifying when you eat is a really beautiful way, a beautiful meditation to bring you back into the body. Another exercise I love is scanning the body, especially making sure that while you're scanning the body that you're breathing. Because oftentimes it's scary or it could be hard to be in the body because there are feelings there. So oftentimes when we disembody, we also hold our breaths. And that could exacerbate or that could keep us stuck in cycles of overeating or binging or restricting. So learning how to be present in the body while you're breathing is another powerful way to anchor in.
0: I hope those were good tools. Those were great tools. Loved yeah. all of them. And yeah. I, I have a follow-up question to that, actually. So you mentioned that when people tend to undereat or restrict, as we like to call it, um sometimes that well usually that leads to overeating and binging but you also mentioned that when people are having meals that aren't fully satisfying to them that also leads to overeating and binging so what are ways that you work with your clients in terms of helping them increase the satisfaction of the meals what they're eating and also meal times
2: great question really good well first of all i want to say a little bit more about your question about those people like Even though they're having enough, if they feel like they're deprived, there's a greater likelihood of them overeating, especially, this is compounded if they have a history of emotional deprivation as well. Like if they didn't get the nurturing that they had when they were a kid emotionally, or if they didn't get what they needed growing up, or if they restricted food for a long time and have a long history of dieting, those types of people are the ones who are more likely to have a bigger allergic response to restriction. And when I say allergic response, that if they feel like they're depriving themselves, even if they really aren't, even if they're getting enough food, that these are the people that will be more likely to overeat. So, some of the ways to work with that is by gradually learning how to satisfy yourself with food in a way that's safe. And again, that's why I really recommend working with a dietitian or a specialist that's trained in this that could show you how to do this step by step in a way that isn't over overcoming or overwhelming for the senses or the mind or the brain or the body. Another really um, beautiful practice is what I explained earlier about having meals in a way that is very present oriented. So making your eating environment peaceful, actually putting your food on a plate, breathing before you eat and having a mindful meal is another really wonderful way to stay present while you're eating. Another thing I like to do, especially for people who are, you know, they work a lot, you know, they're in their heads a lot and they're rushed for time. And finally, when they come to eat, they notice that that quickness and that hurry is also taken out on their food. So they tend to overeat as well, just because it goes along with the momentum of their day. A tool that I've taught a lot of my clients that they really love is planning a speed bump in the middle of the meal. So actually cutting the food in half and using that halfway point as a reminder to check back into the body using that halfway point as a reminder to breathe using that halfway point to tune in to the meal cuz chances are when we're so much in our head and we're just like you know inhaling the food we're we're disembodied so using a halfway point in the meal to recenter to check back into the body to check back into the food so an example might be like if you're going to eat a burrito like cut that burrito in half And that halfway point is not a commitment to end the meal. That is not what I'm saying. That halfway point is just a reminder to check in. And I've noticed my clients having that visual cue to recenter and to check back in has been very helpful, a very practical way of staying present while they're eating.
1: These are such great tools, yes. So (laughs) so practical. And like these are activities that I think are really useful for people that um, that struggle with binging and with overeating. And really, every time that you have a plate in front of you, it's a great opportunity to explore your relationship to food and practice these things because it does take a lot of practice. And we all know that it can be hard and we have slip ups that happen all the time. Um, And so If someone does have an episode of binging or overeating and they have been incorporating these things. But I mean, we all know it happens, even especially um, we were just talking with one one of our guests, like over the holidays, how overeating is something that happens, especially around that time. What are some healthy ways to deal with this when it's when it's already happened to kind of center yourself and maybe prepare for the next time that you're ready to eat?
2: What a great question. And I love that you even use the word, how you said, you know, eating is an opportunity is seeing that every time you overeat, whenever you accidentally binge or whenever your eating goes in a way that is confusing to you or disturbing to you, that's an opportunity. Part of you, your subconscious or another aspect of yourself is trying to communicate to you. And it knows how to get your attention by overeating right? So many of us find that so disturbing. So your subconscious definitely has your attention. So one of the tools I love to teach my clients is how to decode what just happened. It's important to know that overeating is never arbitrary. It's never random. It's not because you're broken and that you're destined to eat in this way. There's always several factors, not just one, several factors that feed into, pardon the pun, that feed into us overeating. And so oftentimes we go straight into criticism. We're so mad at ourselves. We go straight into beating ourselves up. And the problem with doing that, when we start to beat ourselves up, is that could keep the binge cycle going and going and going. Because what fuels the binge cycle is judgment and being mad at ourselves. And when we're mad at ourselves, that anger, we don't know what to do with it. So we eat even more. And then we tell ourselves, I'm never going to eat again. Then we start to feel deprived. And because we feel deprived, we end up overeating again. It just continues this cycle that could be endless. And so to get out of that cycle, one of the first things to do is, first of all, is to tell yourself, okay, I accidentally overate. I don't necessarily know what led up to this. So first of all, I'm not going to restrict. In fact, I'm going to do something counter. I'm going to plan my next meal. I know the wires in our heads might be screaming. No, you know, the bells might be ringing. I can't believe it. You just overate. What are you talking about? You just ate all the burrito and all the chips and everything else and the churros. Oh my God. <laughs> right? my brain is like panicking. But we say, no, 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 I got it. But doing that restriction thing is going to keep me stuck. So I'm just going to plan my next meal. So that's guideline number one is do not plan to restrict. In fact, go the next step and maybe even plan out where you're going to eat the next meal. The second thing that you could do in this situation is start to reflect what are the things that led up to this? Oh, it was Thanksgiving. I skipped breakfast. No wonder I overate. Food was served at 5 p.m. I didn't eat anything all day. Or, you know, my great auntie said this to me. You know, you could start making connections of what led into that. So again, replacing that anger and that frustration with curiosity and compassion. So replacing the criticalness with curiosity and compassion. I like saying that because they all start with the letter C and it helps me remember.
0: Mm -hmm. It's great. I think that, yeah, people are looking for tools that are practical and helpful and help them get to the bottom of what's going on. So I think those are definitely going to be great for them. Um, And just along the lines of tools, what are three things that people can do moving forward to get started with making peace with food?
2: Great question. So first of all, is be open to the idea that diets don't work. Diets don't work. They never have. They never will. Now science has documented proof that the best way to have problems with food and overeating and binging is to go on a diet. So instead of diets being the biggest predictor of weight loss, they're actually the biggest predictor of binging and overeating. So we got the science on that now. So guideline number one is reject dieting. Be open to the idea that diets don't work. And even look at your friends' lives, look at your family's, whoever's tried dieting. It's just a matter of time until it stops working. 95 to 98% of the people who go on a diet with the intention of losing weight, either they don't lose weight at all or they gain it back. And if they do, oftentimes they gain back extra weight. So the first thing I would say is to, to let go of dieting of once and for all. Let go of dieting once and for all. That was grammatically correct. The second guideline I would give is learning how to listen to your body. Learning how to, that hunger fullness scale, there's a lot more to that. Learning how to eat when you first get hungry. Learning your own personal first signs of hunger. Learning and looking for the signs of satisfaction so you can finally stop when you're feeling comfortably satisfied. So tuning back into the body, learning how to listen and trust the body and giving the body what it truly wants and craves and needs. So learning about what you know balanced eating looks like. What does a satisfying plate look like? We're so used to looking at diet plans or diet meals and restriction and rules. But what does nourishing plates look like? What does satisfying ourselves look like? What does tuning back into our body feel like? And I guess the third tool, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm reflecting is if you're struggling with food and eating is knowing that you don't have to. You really don't. I know oftentimes it could feel hopeless for many people. I certainly know it did for me. I never imagined that I could have peace with food, but it is possible. And if you can't do it on your own, there's so many people out there these days who have powerful tools in helping you have peace and ease and freedom with food. So being okay with getting that help, because if you think about any other area of life, we get help with it if we're not able to make sense of it. But those of us who struggle with food, we think, oh, it's just food. I should be able to Google this or I should be able to figure this out on my own. You know, we're very self-sufficient and reliant, you know, so learning that it's okay to get support in this area and not just support with just anybody, support with somebody who understands and knows how to address these issues.
1: Right. And you're actually the perfect person for that support. Mm-hmm. So it would be great if you could tell our listeners where they can find your work because you have so many great resources to help people explore their relationship to food. Because like you said, I mean, this takes time and work and it's not as simple as, okay, I'm I'm going to eat intuitively today and I'm going to follow the hunger scale. Like this really takes a lot of time to develop. And even as and who practice intuitive eating is something that we consistently work on every single day. So can you tell us where can listeners find your work and like some of the, some of the resources and support that you have in place uh, for people that want to work with you?
2: I'd love to. So thank you so much for that compliment, by the way. I, I love what I do and I'm glad that it, that it comes through. I love helping people with their eating. So one of the best ways to reach me is on my website, which is www.vitamineve.com. And also something that I want to offer all of your listeners, and I'll give you the link for this as well, is a free, a complimentary food freedom coaching call with me. And during that call, it's such a powerful call. It's private. It's just me and you. We'll go deep and I'll help any of your listeners who are struggling with this. I'll help them identify, have clarity around what it is they want if you don't know what you want, you're not going to go anywhere. So that's where we begin. And then from there, during the call, we'll brainstorm on exactly the things that are sabotaging them, keeping them stuck, and making having food peace and having freedom with food a challenge. So it's an it's a eye-opening call. Oftentimes, what's keeping people stuck is not what they think it is. So it's a wonderful conversation and opportunity. So I'd love to offer that to your um, listeners. And as well, there's my TEDx talk, Trust Your Hunger and Make Peace with Food. And I also offer a free ebook on my website called Stop Overeating Now. So there's a lot of resources. I also have a YouTube channel. So um, all of that is available on my website. Oh my God,
1: thank you so much. Just to clarify for the call, is it like all of our listeners? Yeah, because I'm just like, like, are you going to be taking all? Or 9, is it a limit? <laughs> you know
2: however, however many people sign up, I will accommodate them. I mean, sometimes it, when I make this type of an offer, it could take me several weeks to get to everybody. Yeah. But if somebody out there is called to address their eating issue, I mean, it's not just for anybody. If somebody wants to learn how to diet, I'll just say, you know, go Google it this call is not for you. This call is for somebody who realizes that they've had enough with these diets. They're, they're done with the yo-yoing the up and down, and they want to relearn how to connect with their bodies. They want to relearn how to have a normal, healthy relationship with food again.
0: And what's so, the link for
2: that? Um, I'm going to send it to you. It's okay. vitamin Eve, and it's going to be a backslash application.
0: Okay, perfect. You guys better take her up on that,
1: right? I'm like, this is I'm an like, amazing show. Am I might do it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> like Eve, girl, I'm about to sign up right. For a call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I'm here for you. And just so you know, it's interesting. A lot of my clients are, are professionals. I mean, not just things like lawyers and doctors and things like that, of course, but surprisingly a large number of people who are nutritionists or dietitians or therapists or people who are in the helping professions who, who feel like, you know, I help all these people with their, with their lives. However, I'm feeling a lack of integrity here because this is the one area that I just can't figure out. And so a lot of people that I work with really enjoy the sense of integrity in their parenting or in their coaching practices or in their in their lives that they also have this food thing handled as well.
0: Great. I think that that is an amazing offer. And thank you for extending that to our listeners. And I just want to wrap up by saying this has been absolutely amazing. You are great to listen to. You have a very peaceful voice. Do you do any meditations or anything like that that you have online? <laughs> I did at some point. Okay, (laughs) They're they're
2: no longer up. Thank you for saying that. That's really sweet. Yeah, you should totally do it again.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for joining us. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, leave us a review. Do it right now. Before you forget, listen up to this listener review by J-Rowe1922. I truly appreciate the information given during the BMI episode. By the way, that was one of our fan favorites. It really allowed me to realize to focus on creating healthy habits for a healthy life and not wait, 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 obsession. (laughs) 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 Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point.
0: Thank you, J. Ro 1922. We love all the feedback. And if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes and leave your own review right now. You can also connect with us online. We're most active on the gram and we are at Food Heaven. And our podcast is released every Wednesday. In each episode, we cover tips and tricks for how to make lifelong changes that help you live a healthier, more balanced life. We also interview leading experts in the field of health and nutrition, to pick their brains on how to cultivate a healthy life that you love. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye.